Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We've been in the book of Acts. This is our 12th week in the book of Acts. So we're going to jump right in. If you've got your Bibles, your devices, look on the screen. Every note that's in front of me will be on, front of the, in, on the screen in front of you. Go to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. I'm going to read seven verses. Here's what it says. Now in these days when disciples were increasing in number, a complaint. Everybody say a complaint by the Hellenists arose from the, uh, against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in a daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, uh, full of the spirit of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas. I like that name, Nicholas. Nicholas. Let me say it one more time, Nicholas. These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Verse 7 says, and the word of God continued to increase. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to faith. I want to preach a message to you this morning simply entitled, Taking Care of Business. Taking Care of Business. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the reading of your word. God, I know that it's your word that changes our hearts. It's, it's not my word. It's not my thoughts. It's your word. It's your thoughts. So, Lord, as we unpack your word today, speak to us. Holy Spirit, illuminate our ears that we may hear, illuminate our hearts that we may receive. And Lord, we pray by the end of the day, may we never be the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Taking care of business. Taking care of business. When it comes to the church, God has called us to take care of business. He's, He's given us a mandate all throughout the book of Acts. We've read to go into all of the world to preach the gospel to make disciples and share the good news. Now, now when it comes to any type of business, uh, whether it's your personal business, whether it's your place of work, whether it's just the way that you operate, uh, there are two kinds of people here in this room. Uh, number one, there are planners. And any planners in the house, you, you plan. Uh, you, you, you make plans, you schedule them, uh, you execute them. I mean, you, you live off of a schedule. Come on, all the planners, raise your hand, planners. Yeah, look, they're all sitting in the front. <laughs> they got here early. That means all you people up top, you're like me, you're a winger. Any wingers in the house? Like, we just, fi- Kevin, you're a winger? We, we just figure stuff out. Like, I, I, don't, I don't have like a, a day planner, y'all. I operate off sticky notes. That's, that's the way. I'm just a I'm a winger. We, we, we just figured out along the way. It's, it just comes natural. So, so we got planners and we got wingers. And, and, and typically, uh, not always, but what I've noticed is that every relationship has a planner and a winger. It's true. Uh, in my house, y'all, uh, Rachel is 
the planner. I mean, she plans everything. Uh, that's just who she is. She, she needs a plan. She has a plan. She needs a schedule. She has to schedule. She, she needs details. I, I am not. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the winger. Let's, let's just go. Let's go figure it out. We'll, we'll figure it out along the way. I don't, where are we going? I don't know. We'll, get, we'll figure it out when we get there. We're just going to go. That's just the way that, that, that I'm built. And so let's take an adventure. It's going to work out. And, and in our family, it works. And it works good because I've learned that every planner needs a winger. And every winger needs a planner. We, we, we need each other. And, and, and so... It works. And now I do know that there are times, though, that my family doesn't need a wing it. We need a well-drawn-out plan. And so there are times in life that you need a plan. You need a well-thought-out plan. But there's also times where you just need to be spontaneous. Are you tracking with me so far? So, so, we, have, so we have planning. Everybody say planning. And then we have spontaneity. Everybody say spontaneity. So we have planning and spontaneity. The key today is going to be trying not to always separate the two. In church, in Christianity, being a believer, there are times when spontaneity is part of God's plan. You have to entune your ears to hear what God is speaking to you in the moment to be spontaneous to a plan that he already has. Okay, so you can't separate the planning and the spontaneous because both are needed in the church. Both are needed for you to be a believer. We see them working together all throughout Scripture. In fact, the book of Acts is filled with both planning and spontaneity. We, we, we read about it. Didn't we remember Acts chapter 1? Don't leave Jerusalem. Stay in the upper room. Stay here till the Holy Spirit comes. That's the plan. Don't go anywhere. You, there's a scheduled time coming. There is a schedule. Don't, there's the place, the upper room. It's in Jerusalem. Stay here. Wait for it. That's the plan. But then in Acts 2, we see... Suddenly, spontaneously, there came a violent rushing wind, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they go out into the streets and spontaneously start preaching the gospel. They didn't plan that. They didn't say, hey, this Tuesday at 10 a.m., y'all meet at the donut shop, the pastry shop. We're going to have a message there. They didn't do that. They didn't send an email letting everybody know this was going to happen. They get filled with the Holy Spirit, and spontaneously, they start reacting to what God was doing in their hearts, and they move suddenly. So you have planning. And you have spontaneously. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were going to the temple at the ninth hour. This is 3 o'clock. It's a scheduled time. It was part of the plan. They went there every single day. It was the time and the place. This was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Why were they going there? It was the hour of prayer. Remember, along the way, they, they, they find the lame beggar and spontaneously starting, started ministering to him. And he gets up and he walks for the first time in 40 years. They're there to execute the plan. But then God does something spontaneously. This wasn't a planned stop. It wasn't on their agenda. This was just spirit-led spontaneity. What am I saying? I want you to see this morning the importance of systematic planning in the first century church. Go and make disciples. Be at the hour of prayer. Do these things, but do it. When you do it, be spirit-led and spontaneous when necessary. Listen to me. To be a healthy church, to be a healthy Christian, we need to be both systematic and spirit-led. You tracking with me? Let's go back to Acts chapter 6. Let's see how all this fleshes out in our text this morning. Acts 6.1 says this. It says, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number. Let, let's just stop right there just for a moment. One of Luke's purposes in writing the book of Acts was to show us the 
exponential growth of the church after the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon them. You can see Luke all throughout Scripture, all throughout the book of Acts, talking about the growth of the church. He, he does this through, through 29 chapters. I just want to give you the first five because that's where we are. Look at just what the, the things that Luke says about the growth of the church. In Acts chapter 241, he says, those who received the word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. That, that's one message. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 47, and the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. Acts 4, 4, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Now the church is growing. Acts 5, 14, more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Remember that Luke is writing under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit feels prompted to let us know that the church was growing. Acts chapter 6 is no different. It says now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, they were growing, the church was getting bigger, they were exploding. Watch what it says. As they were increasing in number, a complaint by the hellness arose against the Hebrews because the widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So watch this. So the church is growing, but so are the complaints. Why? Because when growth takes place, Complaints are inevitable. When it's just us four and no more, everybody's happy. Come on, just take you and one, one of your kids to lunch. Y'all can decide. If you got six or seven kids, I want McDonald's. I want Cane's. I want Mama's. I want Billy's. Why? The more people equals more opinions, which equals more complaints. I'll say it again. More people equal more opinions, which equal more complaints. So as the church is getting bigger, the complaint box is getting fuller. You tracking with me? Now, so far, all the complaints that we've seen in Acts have been from outside the church. It, it, it's them talking about us. It's, it's the, the Jewish leaders talking about the saved Christians. It's, it's out there because you know, y'all know they're going to talk about you. How, how many know that? They're they going to talk about you out there. When you go to work, they're going to talk about you. If you take a stand for Jesus, they're going to talk about you. If, if you post scripture on, on social media, they're, they're going to talk about you. They're going to try to cancel you. It's what, it's what happens. All the complaints we've seen so far have come from outside the church. But when we get to Acts chapter 6, for the first time, we're seeing complaints from within the church. And now the complaints are reaching the disciples, the apostles. I, I just want to give you just three thoughts this morning on complaining and then tell you what that means for us as a church. Number one, by the way, complaining is okay. I'm going to tell you how. Because if you're going to complain, you always complain up, not down, or sideways. Whether it's your job, whether it's at church, or it's your kid's t-ball team. You complain up. If there is an issue that you want to address, you go to the people that can properly Address it. Why? Because nothing kills morale more. Nothing causes division more. Nothing produces strife more. Nothing ignites gossip more than sideways and downward complaining. Did you, did you hear what Pastor Nick did? did? Did you hear what my boss did? Let me tell you what he said. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't help the situation. It, all of it, it's poison. It's like gangrene. It just it spreads. It, it breeds frustration and ultimately division. And so Acts chapter 6, we see this complaint and the complaint comes from it tells us these Hellenistic Jews now th these Hellenists these were 
Greek-speaking Jews. They, they weren't from Jerusalem. They were from uh, another culture. So their complaint was against the Hebrew Jews who weren't taking care of their widows. And so they complained to the apostles who were the only ones who can actually do something about it. So they complain. Oh, listen, if you're going to complain, complain up. Y'all tracking with me? Number two, if you're going to complain, make sure that it's to meet a ministry need. So you, so you have to give all these, these Hellenistic Jews, these Hellenists, some credit because when they complain, there's actually a need that they're complaining about. They were taught, if you see a need, let's do something about it. So they, they tell the apostles, hey, we got all these widows living in this community over here, and we said we were going to take care of them, and nobody's taking care of them. Nobody's distributing them food. They're not getting the necessities. They're running out of water. They don't have warm blankets. We got to do something about this. I'm, I, this is my complaint. We're not taking care of those widows over there. They're not being taken care of, so what are we going to do about it? So, so you have to understand and give them credit that they have the right attitude in their complaint because they, they said if, if we see something, we're going to say something. And, and that's what I want you to understand, that if, if you see a need, then we ought to do something about it. That, that's why we've been talking through this book of Acts. We want to ingrain in our hearts that whether it's in our community or in our church, that, that if we see a need, we take care of it. Y'all, we family. This is our family. This is our community. This isn't them in Opelousas and them in Sunset. This is our community. We, we own this community. I, we, we take ownership in it. It's our responsibility that if, that if we see a need, we don't complain about it. Like, hey, why don't they do that? Why don't they fix this? Why don't they get their act together? When we see something, we ought to do something about it. How, how many know that our community is not void of needs? There's needs all over the place. We want you to see the need and do something about it. Can I just tell you about one of the needs that, that we saw this week? Uh, how many know that education is a powerful weapon? I, I, and I'm so thankful, y'all. Our church is full of educators. In fact, if you're an educator, if you, if you work for a private school, a public school, school system, you work at a school, you're in the education world, would you just stand at your feet? Let us just honor you. Come on. If you're an educator, would you stand up? Thank you. Thank you. Thank Come on. You can do better than that. Find one of those people that just stood up and taken the lunch today. They're the most underpaid people on the planet. And so we, we want to remove some obstacles for some of our educators. We're, we're working with some of our schools now, and we're going to be giving you some more information on this, where you can actually adopt a teacher. You can make sure that that teacher, that he or she gets the needs that maybe the school board can't provide every need for them. A lot of times they come out of pocket for supplies that should be provided from someone else. And we want to step in and help with that. We're going to give you some opportunities for that. And we do want to remove all the obstacles. One of the obstacles that we can remove is the obstacle to ensure that all the students that come to them have the necessary supplies to actually come to school. How many of you know you, you can teach, you can be the greatest teacher in the world, but if this kid ain't got a pencil to take notes, it stops there. And so uh, we, we are doing something, and we just found out about this need this week. And so we said, we're going we're gonna to be like the Hellenistic Jews. We're going to say, they said, hey, what about the widows? We're saying, hey, what about the students? Let's, let's do something about it. So 
we start, we're starting today. We're giving you two weeks. We're doing a backpack drive. And you can, you can go, we have in the foyer, I think we're going to put it, there we go, back to school supply drive, August 1st to the 15th. It's going to give you a detailed list of every single school supply that student needs to show up on day one from backpacks to pens to notebooks to everything that they need. Now, you can buy one. Some of you can, you can, you, some of you can just buy one pack of loose leaf paper. That will be amazing. Some of you can buy the whole kit and caboodle. Whatever you can do, I'm going to ask you, we see a need. Let's go meet it. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm double dog daring you again. On your way out at the Welcome Center, we have a printout for you. It tells you every need. We give you two weeks to do it. How many of you say, man, I can help with that. There's some needs I can help with. Come on, let's give all these big people a big, big hand. Why are we doing this? This is spirit led, okay? We, we found out about this like Wednesday. We found out, but this is how we're supposed to respond as a church. We, we, we can't say, oh, you know what? This wasn't on the 2021 agenda. When we looked at our mission schedule, when I rescheduled, this wasn't on there. This wasn't in our budget. No, when we see a need, we meet it. I'm not just talking about the corporate church. I'm talking about us as individuals now. When we see a need, we meet it. So it is okay to complain. But in, but in the kingdom of God, if you're going to complain, make sure that it's to meet a ministry need not to satisfy a personal preference. Hey, I'm, I'm all good with you saying, hey, what about the lost souls out there? I'm just being, can I be transparent? September 11th of this year will mark 20 years of me being in full-time ministry. In 20 years of ministry, I've gotten a bunch of emails. I mean, a bunch. I mean, like hundreds and, and it's, you know, it's usually people that made a list of complaints. And so I just jotted down a few that I remember. And it usually starts off like this. Hey, Pastor Nick, I love the church, but the music is too. Oh, see, some of y'all said loud. I've heard it all. It's too loud. It's too soft. It's too rock and roll. It's too gospel. It's too white. It's too black, it's too long, it's too short, it's too. Y'all like this next one. Dear Pastor Nick, I love the church, but the temperature is too. We trying to get it, you know, like Goldilocks, where it's just right, y'all. <laughs> But how many times you know you come here, it's just a little too cold? That's because I sweat a lot. I tell them, please turn it down. I'm sweating on this day. See these lights coming at me? No, it's too cold. It's too hot. It's too smoky. You, you hear it all. I've, I've heard, Pastor Nick, we love the church. The preaching is too. What? I'm not going to lie to you. Nobody ever said it was too short. <laughs> no, it's too long. It's too short. It's too shallow. It's too deep. It's too funny. It's not funny enough. You talk about cats too much. I don't like the color of the walls. Why don't you preach in a suit? 
oh yeah, it's okay. I used to. But it was too hot. <laughs> Why don't you like cats? <laughs> I don't know, I'm just... And listen, those are, those are all preferences, right? We all, we all have preferences, and the bigger we get, the more preferences and opinions you have. And I don't mind talking about it. I don't mind telling you why we do what we do. We, we, we do have reasons for why we do what we do. It may, you may not be satisfied of every reason, but we do have reasons. And, and, and I, don't, I don't mind you talking to me about that. But you know what I don't have a whole lot of emails about? Hey, we aren't reaching enough people, Pastor Nick. What are we going to do about it? Man, there's thousands of people in St. Landry Paris that are dying and going to hell. What are we going to do? Man, there's, there's needs out there. There's addicts and there's people that need to get free. What can we do? See, when the Hellenists complained, at least it, was a, it wasn't a matter of preference. They did so because it was a legitimate ministry need. Hey, our widows are neglected. Who's going to take care of them? We, we got to figure this thing out. Why? Because, listen, the early church was very generous. But because of this language barrier, there was a whole community of widows, the Greek widows who weren't getting taken care of. It was, it was unintentional. They were, just, they were overlooked. And, and the Hellenists said, we see the need. Notice it wasn't the apostles that saw the need. It was the church people. What am I saying? Sometimes God will show you the need instead of showing the pastor. And when he shows you the need... It's not so you can just complain about it. Watch this. Acts chapter 6, we see the problem. We see the need. So what's the solution? Now, I'll be real honest. The tendency for all of us is to put it on somebody else. What y'all going to do about that, Pastor Myron? Huh? Where's your complaint box? I got a few suggestions. Here's what y'all need to do. i tell you what you ought to do. I'll give you a book to show you how to do it. So the people are looking to the apostles. Y'all take care of it. Y'all distribute the money. Y'all take care of the widows. Y'all do it. Look what the apostles say in verse 2. It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, before we get ahead of ourselves, this is not a matter of if they're going to take care of the widows. It's never a matter of if. It's always a matter of how. It's, it's not a matter of if we're going to reach our community. It's not a matter of if we're going to meet the needs. It's a matter of how. So, so he says, therefore, this is the apostle speaking, brothers, pick out from among you seven men full of the spirit and wisdom. He says, seven men from you. And so watch this. Guess who they picked? The very next verse, verse 5. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Those names may mean nothing to you, but watch this. Those are not Hebrew names. Every one of those names are a Greek name. Watch this. The solution to the issue was Greek-speaking Jews. Why is that important? Because the complainers of the issue were Greek-speaking Jews. What God is showing us is that the ones who complained would be the solution to the ones what they complained about. I'll say it again. 
the ones who complained would eventually become the solution to what they complained about. Nobody's taking care of the widows. Okay, you go do it. Last thought. You have the right to complain only if you're willing to contribute. It's okay to talk about the problem as long as you're willing to be part of the solution. I don't care what the issue is. You know many people, here's what y'all need to do on race. Okay, then come sit down and let's talk about it. No, no, that's the church's up. No, no, no. Don't tell me there's a problem if you ain't willing to be part of the solution. If you ain't going to do something about it, then stop talking about it, boo. Okay? Can I, can I just vent for one second? We can even scratch this off the, the podcast. I don't care. I'm tired of people talking about Opelousas. I'm sick and tired of people talking about how bad it is. Speaking death over St. Landry Parish. I'm talking sick and tired of people who always want to point out the problems but are never willing to present themselves as part of the solution. I don't see problems. I see needs that God's calling us to meet. I love how Teddy Roosevelt said it. He said, complaining about a problem while not wanting to be a part of the solution is called whining. I'll say it again. There we go. Can we put it on the screen? Complaining about a problem while not wanting to be part of a solution. It's called whining. Anybody grew up watching cartoons? Like good cartoons? Y'all, when I was a kid, every morning I'd get up, 6 o'clock. It was this cartoon. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I love Popeye, y'all. His arms were like bigger than his thighs. He had an enemy named Brutus. He had a very, very, very ugly girlfriend named Olive Oil. I mean, like, U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. And Papa, I get all sweet, like, oh, oh, me, I love the, oh. <laughs> and, and, and Brutus was, he must have been blind. Because Brutus would try to steal olive oil. Every episode, that was it. it was, he would try to steal olive oil from Popeye. And then Popeye would squeeze the can of spinach. He'd go... And then he would say this. Y'all remember what he said? That's all I can stand. I can't stand me no more. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? Then he would like butt whooping mode, man. He would just take care of Brutus. That's all I can stand. I got to do something about it. What he's saying is I can't take it anymore. Nobody's doing anything about this guy. I got to do it myself. Listen to me. Sometimes the best people to meet the need are those who see the need. Look at what the apostle said. He said, don't wait for us. Don't expect Pastor Nick to do every need in the community. And look what they say. And if you don't get the heart of what they're saying, you'll look at it like they're greater than. That's not what they're saying. Watch this. It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God just to serve tables. 
Now, if you read that just without the proper context, you, you, you think the disciples and the apostles are saying that they're better than. Like, what are they saying? That, that they're too big to, to help the, the widows? Of course not. They weren't saying they were more important. The statement, it's not right for us to give up preaching the word of God to serve tables, that has nothing to do with who's more important. But it does have everything to do with what's more important. Watch this. As much as we love serving the community, as much as we love serving the needs and meeting the needs, the most important thing we can ever do for our community is not just meet their needs. It's to preach and teach them the word of God. Why? Listen to me. Listen to me. Because making hungry people in our community a ham sandwich won't get them to heaven. Meeting someone's needs by itself won't free them from bondage. Doing a car wash won't cleanse anyone's soul. Now, it may get their attention. It may plant a seed. It may soften their heart. But the only thing that can change a person is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. And if if we don't get that right, then, then we're no different than the Red Cross of the United Way. Doing great things and being benevolent, but being benevolent doesn't change anybody's eternity. So the apostle said, hey, y'all go do that because we can't stop preaching the word. Like Usher, can't stop, won't stop. We, we just can't do it. Listen to me. As your pastor, I have a burden and a calling which involves praying, studying the word of God, and preaching and teaching the word of God. That is what I am called to do. Now, that does not exempt me from serving. That doesn't mean that I won't get my hands dirty. If you've been around this church long enough, you know I will be at every serve day. I'll get my hands dirty with you. It just means this, that I am best when I pray, study, and preach the word of God. That's when I'm best. I'm best when I preach the word of God. And here's my promise to you as the pastor of this church. I will do my part to serve you the word of God. I will not serve you my opinions. I will not serve you my political views. I will serve you the word of God. That's my job. Okay? You ain't off the hook. That's my job. You got a job too, boo. Your job, after I deliver the word, is to consume the word and believe the word and then do the word. I'm committed to preaching it. But are you committed to receiving and believing? Y'all, every Sunday, it's going to happen today. Pastor Jacob is going to call me. And he's going to ask me. I'm going to pick up the phone. He's going to say, man of God, how was the preaching? Wonderful. Thank you. I'll tell him you said that. <laughs> Here's the better question. How's your believing and receiving? Because if one part of this thing is off, y'all, the whole system's off. During COVID last year, we were going like stir crazy at the house. Anybody else? By about May, y'all, I had pressure washed my house 17 times. <laughs> I'd cleaned out the garage. I mean, we were just going. And so uh, I said, hey, let's, uh, the gym is shut down. I said, let's, let's turn our, our little back patio, we'll turn it into a little workout area. So Rachel and I, we'd get up every morning. First thing, we, we'd go outside before the sun would come up, and we'd work out on the patio. It was, and we did that, all COVID. And so I had a bunch of dumbbells out there, and we, she'd always tell me when I'm done, put them back over here, and sometimes I'd forget. And so uh, this goes on for a while. Well, during one of the hurricanes that we had, 
an oak tree in our yard fell over. So I'm like, this is going to be perfect firewood. So I go out there and, and I cut firewood. And so I'm stacking all the firewood and we got a place for it under the patio where I'm stacking firewood. And well, the weather, I go in and I'm taking a break and I kick my shoes off. And Rachel said, well, how much wood do you have left? I said, not a whole lot. She goes, what's about, it's about the storm. So I run outside barefoot. And y'all, I get as much fire. I mean, I can't see nothing. I got this stuff. And so I'm running like this, barefoot to my patio. And there's that 25-pound dumbbell. Why are y'all laughing? Y'all, my pinky toe hits that weight on a full sprint carrying wood. And I just, I didn't cuss, but I said something like, sweet mother of Bill Cosby, that hurt. I don't know what I said. And, and, I, and I, I broke my pinky toe. Yeah, you, I was just a pinky toe. Y'all, when I broke my pinky toe, it's like my whole body shut down. I mean, it, it affected the way that I walk. I mean, I was like. It affected the way I slept because I usually sleep on this side. I couldn't sleep. I had to sleep like this. Put a pillow under my. It affected the way I drove. I, I, I had to learn how to drive with my left foot. Crazy. What, what am I saying is. When one part doesn't do its job, it affects every part. Look at what the Apostle Paul says. I'm closing. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would make it any less part of the body. And if the ears should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, there would be no sense of hearing. If the whole body were an ear, there would be no sense of smell. But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. And if all were a single member, where would the body be? What makes a body a body? Somebody just yell out. What, make, what, makes, what makes this a body? Okay, name them, name them, name them, name them. The foot, over here. Arms, hair, what else? Ear, tongue, toe, lungs, stomach, intestines, thigh, femur, right? Hands, hair, teeth, for some of us. Here's my question. If I put some teeth right here and some hair over here and a pinky toe over here and some lungs down here and some eyes here and a nose there and a mouth up there, is that a body? The body isn't the body until it's connected in function with its other members. Because you know what happens if you put a pinky toe over here by itself? It dies.
Paul said, we are the body of Christ. We want to make sure of two things for everyone who calls this place their home. Number one, that you're connected. Y'all, y'all, you, you can't do Christianity alone. You've got to be connected. Pastor Myron sent me a quote yesterday from Dr. Tony Evans. Dr. Tony Evans said, can you be a Christian and not go to church? He said, sure you can. The same way you can be a husband or a wife and never go home. But sooner or later, something's going to happen. We need connection. We need connection. Number two, once you find connection, you need to operate in function. If you're a nose, we want you to smell, baby. If you're a hand, we want you to feel. If, we, if you're hair, we want you to get done. Get it did. If you're a pinky toe, bring balance. I don't know what your function is. And maybe you don't either. But here's the good news. Today, immediately following our 11 a.m. service, you can take your next step through membership and you can join our dream team. You can learn about becoming a part of this body. You can learn about serving in local outreach in foreign and global missions. It doesn't matter what you feel called to do. We want to help you find a spot on this team. We want to connect you to this body. Y'all, this, this is after the 11 o'clock service. You can go home. You could take a little nap. You could come back about 1230. It's only going to last just a little longer than an hour. We're going to feed you lunch for free. We're going to take care of your kids. You just show up and you get connected. Why? Because we want you connected and operating in your function. I double dog dare you show up today. It's, it's going to take place in our kids' room, which is right across the foyer. You just go right out these double doors. Keep walking. Stay to the right. Pastor Myron and his team will be out there. They're going to receive you. It take an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. We want to get you connected and help you find your function and form inside the body of Christ. Okay? I know what some of you are saying. Oh, I didn't plan for this. I had my day planned. Yeah. Be spirit-led. Be spontaneous. I know you're a planner, but you need a little spontaneousness in you. I dare you. Okay. So we all have a part to play, right? I'm a mouth, sometimes a big one. I've been called a rear end before. That's okay, too. Some of you, your hands, your feet, I don't know what you are. I love what Abraham Lincoln said. He says, whatever you are, be a good one. If you're going to be an elbow for Jesus, be the best elbow there is. Be flexible. Whatever it is, whatever God's asking you to do, if you see needs, hey, what about this? I want to be a part of it. Now watch what happens. By the way, there's thousands of parts to the body of Christ. Thousands. We all have a different role to play. There is one role that I cannot find in the Bible, though. The role of spectator. There's no sideline in Christianity. We're all in the game. You got to jump in. You got to you got to do your part. And look what happens according to these verse seven verses. It says there's a need, right? Let's take care of the widows. There's the need. The ones who saw the need 
meet the need, the people served, and the apostles preached. So there was a need. The ones who saw the need met the need. The people served, and the apostles preached. Okay, you didn't get it. One more time. There was a need. Take care of the widows. The ones who saw the need met the need. The people served, and the apostles preached. Watch what happens when all this happens. Because the apostles were allowed to preach, watch this, and the word of God continued to increase. That's when Peter preached. That's when the apostles preached. That's when they preached real good. And it says, because they preached, the number of disciples multiplied, multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. Well, what does that mean? It says a great many of, who are the priests? These are the same jokers from Acts chapter 4 who became so hostile against the apostles that they had them thrown into jail for preaching the word of God. Those priests are now responding to the word of God that was able to be preached because the apostles were able to preach because the people went and served the other people. And now those priests who arrested the apostles for preaching are hearing their preaching and responding to the word of God and getting saved. Watch this. When the apostles did their part and the people did their part, incredible things happened in the kingdom of God. The widows got fed and the unsavable got saved. So it takes all of us to do our part. If you want to do your part today, I just, I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Some of you, you you've, seen, you've seen needs. You, you, you've seen stuff. And you've said stuff like, well, somebody ought to. Why don't they? I wish the church would. The list goes on and on. If that's you, and you just be honest, you just raise your hand. I want to pray for you if that's you. Real honest, come on. You have need. There's needs. You've seen needs. You've seen needs. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. Thank you. I want to pray for you because God's put that desire in your heart to become a burden. And he doesn't expect you to tackle it all by yourself. But you may be the initiator in this thing. To say, hey, Pastor Nick. Hey, Pastor Martin. Hey, OSC. Here's my burden. What can we do about this? So I'm going to pray for you. And the second group of you. Some of you, you say, I want to do my part, but I have, I don't even know where to start. If that's you, raise your hand. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to start. I'm, if your hand's up, I want to tell you where to start. Start today after the 11 o'clock service. Start there. Take your next step. Can I pray for you this morning? Father, right now, God, you have placed this church in this community, God, not just to be a temple, but to be a well. God, you've given us eyes. You've given us ears. God, you have placed people in this room who are full of your compassion and your heart. God, they're looking at things that others would complain about, that others would say we should do something about this. And God, now they're taking on the burden to say I can do something about this. God, you've called us to be a body of Christ connected in form and function, all doing our part for the greater good, to draw souls to you so they can hear your word. So God, I pray, God, for those today, God, that you've given them a burden, you've given them a vision. God, they've seen things that, God, you would give them the wisdom. God, you would give them the resources, the conversations to have. God, to get this thing in motion. God, for those of us that raise our hand, that we don't even know what the next step is. 
God, I pray, God, you bring them back today, God, after the 11 o'clock service. That, God, they would find their form, they would find their function inside the body of Christ. God, let us all do our part so we can build your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen.